Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Welcome to this special edition of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Jeff Wendt, Kyle Mackey, and Kevin Gates of the PRFC Fan Show. How are you guys all doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, doing horribly. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a dark day in soccer. <laughs> I mean, that's his opinion. I'm pretty ecstatic about that. Uh, you can tell that I was pulling for Mexico, him not so much. I think I was the only person in the room pulling for Germany, actually. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't the only one. I was, I was pulling for Germany as well, you oh, know, you? being that the U.S. is out. Uh, yeah, I was going back to my German roots. And I mean, I'm a USA fan, so it's tough to, tough to root for Mexico, even though they are uh, our North American neighbors. But yeah, I mean, tough match for Germany, that's for sure. Yeah, it was, it was. I'm glad to see somebody suffering with me, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> Just a little too quiet over here. Yeah. Are you? Uh, you know, I, I have trouble finding a specific team this year, you know. I mean, it's it's a great World Cup. I mean, we've got some great teams. I mean, obviously France, Germany were the favorites walking into this thing. Spain was a favorite walking into this thing. Brazil's coming up next. Brazil's coming up shortly here. So, I mean... You know, I, I'm just looking for a good tournament overall, you know, just, just to get some good soccer in here in the next uh, three or four weeks. Definitely. Well, speaking of good soccer, Phoenix Rising with two matches this week, and we win them by a combined 7-0 scoreline. Does it get much better than that? No, it no. doesn't. No, it does not. No, no. I mean, it, they, were, they were great matches. Yeah, two, two wonderful matches this week. Do we want to dive into last night's match? Yeah, let's let's do let's do last night's match first. Obviously, I did not attend the match, and thank thank God for for Mark Murray and and Aaron Blau at Firebird Soccer for covering the game last night for us. But uh, uh, I did get to see some of the highlights last night, and you know, kind of go through, you know, what happened last night. You know, they stuck with the same starting eleven that they uh, that they had with uh, with Wednesday night's match. No changes uh, uh, from Rick Schantz, uh, uh what he did. Obviously, you know, the first 25, 30 minutes of the match was pretty much similar to the same 25, 30 minutes you saw Wednesday night against Las Vegas. Um, you know, a lot of possession, a lot of moving the ball around, but not quite finding that final finishing touch in that final third. But obviously that first finishing touch finally came in the 39th minute. Uh, Solomon Asante to Chris Cortez and a nice goal to get him started 1-0. Yeah, Solomon Asante put his stamp on this game from the early parts of it. He had a couple chances. There was one that went over before, but he was also doing great, him and Iwako distributing the ball. And on this one, just finds the right pass. And Cortez, he had a rough go of it those first 30 minutes, so it was really good to see him put that one in right there and uh, get things started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw early on, you know, we had a great start. I thought a lot of a lot of good opportunities and Cortez, like you said, he had a couple missed chances. So the fact that he and Asante were able to connect on that and to get us a lead in the 40th minute, you know, that was a that was huge. And I mean, me and Dominic were right there behind the goal. And I mean, it was 
it was so tight to that near post. You know, I was wondering what side of the post it was going to go, but luckily it went on the right one. You know, and props to Rick uh, Shantz for keeping Cortez in. When he flopped and hit, not he didn't flop, he hit the ground hard, yep. hit his tailbone. He was struggling. He wasn't running. He had a couple of shot up attempts. He was not able to kick the ball well. We were thinking, pull him off, put in Forbes, do something. He kept him in there, and it paid off in spades. Yeah, definitely. That's actually a good observation because I didn't even see that. But Cortez has a way of getting to the right spots at the right times, and he, he got in that spot. He's all about placement. He's yep. all about being in the right place at the right time. He's not going to get there fast, but he's going to be there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And obviously we didn't have to wait very much longer after that first goal. What a highlight goal, gentlemen. Four minutes later, Amadou Dia gets a ball way out on the left-hand side. What a beautiful cross into the center, and Jason Johnson with the scissors kick goal that obviously made SportsCenter's top 10 last night at number two. What a highlight goal for this club. Unreal. Um, Kyle, you, you and I were right there behind the goal when it happened. Um, when that cross is coming in, it seems like a decent cross, but it's it's not even going through your head that there's a possibility <laughs> no. that he's even going to try a scissor kick there. Then he does it, and he just buries it. it. It was insane. I mean, yeah, when we saw that ball being crossed, you know, yeah, we just thought, okay, you know, another another cross into the box for Phoenix. And then I just I looked, and I see Johnson just in midair, you know, and it was yeah. almost like he froze midair, and then he just rocketed it right into the net. And, I mean, yeah, what a great goal. That was insane. And, I mean, props to him. He definitely deserved to get on SportsCenter. And, uh... I mean, we just, we'd love to see that from him, and hopefully we get to see more. Yeah, I mean, it came out of nowhere. He twisted. Yep. It was just a normal cross, and he just all of a sudden twisted. The scissor kick came up, and it, it, it was like a lightning bolt. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah, I think that may be goal of the year for uh, Phoenix. It's going to take something huge to beat that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely will take something huge to, mm -hmm. to, to, uh, to beat that. Well, obviously, uh, Tulsa finally gets at least a shot on goal in the first half in the 45th minute from Baccaro, which Waz makes a save on. Then, obviously, the key moment in this match after the 2-0 goal is Perez picking up that second yellow right at the end of the first half, giving the Phoenix the 11-on-10 the advantage. Yeah, no, no real argument about that. That was a pretty bad foul in a pretty bad spot. Um, Rob, who was just here a few minutes ago for the match, was telling me, you know, never has a match gone from like seemingly competitive to just over quicker than that one did because in five minutes we put in two goals and then there's the red card and all of a sudden you're thinking we can just cruise in from there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seemed like at that point Tulsa was deflated and I mean Phoenix, our spirits were so high and going in at halftime, you know, I think we, we had the match in hand at that point. We did. We just took over. It was yeah. great. Yep. I mean, you had a better view of the, uh, the red card and the big save by Carl. What, what were those plays looking like for you? Well, the red card was obvious, and frankly, it was a little bit dirty. I did not like the move at all, and so we made sure that we exited him very loudly. <laughs> a little too loudly for my girlfriend, actually. She was a little embarrassed. But, we, you know, Tulsa was getting frustrated, and they were getting more and more aggressive. That red card was indicative of that. Not well played. When it comes to Waz... He's just doing what he does. He is, for a man as big as he is, he is quick and he is strong. When he gets an arm in front of something, it's not going past him. So he just did a great job with the save. Well, when you, when you think about the fact that Tulsa hadn't scored a goal in over 240 minutes coming into this match, I mean, you can obviously, <laughs> you can obviously see the frustration level at this point. You pick up the red card, now you're playing 11 on 10. Now you're even putting yourself at a worse disadvantage to try to get out of this scoreless streak. And obviously, you know, nothing came of it. A lot of smack talk on the field. I think a lot of it was kind of ugly, actually, you know. The guys all got along in the end. And, you know, like, kudos to Solomon. There was an instance where uh, a guy went down with Solomon. Solomon was the first guy there to help him up, put his arm around him, gave him a pat. You know, we were showing good sportsmanship the whole way through, which was great. So you get into the second half of play, obviously 11 on 10, you're seeing a lot of advantages to Phoenix Rising here. Asante gets shots in the 51st and 62nd. Cortez gets a shot off in the 62nd. We bring Evan Waldrop on in the 65th minute uh, for, for James Musa. Nice to see Evan get a, a good run this time. Instead of just seeing five or 10 oh, minutes yeah. of the field, he gets 25 minutes here on this Saturday night. 
definitely. Um, that was something we talked about actually when this coaching change happened, and you know the fact that Evan Waldrop was one of Rick Chance's guys from the beginning. We had the feeling he would get more time, and sure enough, he gets a nice run in this match. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was something we talked about. You know, Rick Chance recruited uh, Evan hardly from from Portugal, and you know, I think that. It's good for Evan to get out there and get more opportunities. I mean, we just keep seeing more and more of him in his play. I mean, for such a young kid, he's been he's been performing so well. I mean, I I like the move moving James Musa out. I mean, he's been playing a lot lately and I think you know, we knew we had the game in hand. So to get a player like Evan who needs that kind of experience to get him on the field, that was huge and I mean, I I thought he looked really well last night. Yeah, so definitely. So we get into the later stages of the second half. Obviously, DeFont gets a couple of chances there. Uh, Gladys Nawako gets another shot in the 76. We see the introduction of Kevon Frader in the 80th minute for Chris Cortez. Uh, and, and obviously, for Frader, it finally pays off. Uh, Rigi comes on in the 85th minute for Kevon Lambert. And then the goal in the 89th, Frader from Alessandro Rigi. And a very well-deserved goal. I mean, he had another chance where it just came off the post a few minutes earlier. Uh, one thing that happened during that half that, you know, maybe some people missed, uh, Kavon Lambert actually had a chance up on the left wing getting up the field, and it looked like he got fouled on a clear goal-scoring opportunity by the keeper for Tulsa Cerda. That seemed like it should have been a red card to me. It was only a yellow card, but I think, I think if it's 11 versus 11, that is a red card. I mean, what, what were you guys' thoughts on that play? Goalie came in way too aggressive, came in with cleats up. Uh, he clearly did not have control of the situation and took Lambert out. I thought it was a red card for days. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that should have been a red card. I think I think the only reason why the ref didn't call it was Tulsa was already down a man and pretty much out of the match. I don't think he wanted to add insult to injury, but still, I mean, you got to protect the player in that situation. So coming through with a 3 nothing victory, obviously, off of this one coming off of the 4-0 victory against Vegas on Wednesday night. Obviously, it's a clear sign that this club is really moving forward under Rick Chance. They're really buying into what, what he's, he's bringing to the table right here at the beginning. And he's making good decisions. He brought in two subs that not five minutes later scored a goal. The assist and the goal were both score, uh, done by, uh, by subs. You know, it's fantastic choices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, I think his... his his knowledge of his team, of the players, and I mean his tactical uh, changes, especially last night, I mean they came up huge. And though the game was already kind of decided and we didn't need the goals on another night, you know, to make to bring in those two players to decide a match, that would have been huge. So love seeing that. Yeah, and before we get into any other matches or any other parts of the show, can we talk about that Johnson goal for a bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it deserves it. Yes. Unbelievable. Did you guys see some of the reactions? Didier Drogba, if you think he's not paying attention, wrong. Check out his Twitter. He tweeted immediately after it happened, you're just too much, Jason Johnson. What a goal. Uh, journalists around the country, there was a guy in Orlando saying we should get an expansion club immediately after that goal. Uh, there were journalists in D.C., all over the place, tweeting about that goal, talking about it, and as you said, it got to number two on SportsCenter, so people were paying attention. Yeah, you even have people like John Marshall of the Associated Press who works here in, t works here in town. Associated Press hardly ever been to a Phoenix Rising game, and here you've got one of the top reporters in, in Phoenix tweeting this goal out. I mean, obviously, this thing made, this thing went viral very quickly on Twitter. I was, you know, when I saw it last night viral on Twitter, I just, I could not believe the numbers of people that were talking about this goal. Well, and I think it deserved all of that, right? Well, it did. And, you know, we talk about the expansion of the MLS and that we're getting a stadium and the location and the fans. And what we don't usually talk about is the team. And the team is really the key to us getting the MLS. And Jason Johnson, the performances we get out of Solomon, uh, Waz, I mean, the whole crew just demonstrate we are an MLS quality level team. And we will not only get into the MLS, we will be competitive in the MLS. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point. I mean, I think... I think after last season, we saw Jason Johnson was MLS ready, and I think last night definitely solidified that. So we'll touch a little bit on Wednesday's match just to kind of go over some things, but we'll also touch on what happened after the match as well. Um, obviously, like we said, the, the first part of the Las Vegas match was very similar to the way Tulsa, you know, the Tulsa match started out. Um, 
get the uh, get the Johnson goal in the 32nd minute, which puts them up one nothing. Uh, then you get uh, Joey uh, Joey Farrell getting a goal, you know, in the second half to make it two nothing. Uh, you know, Johnson comes back in the 77th with another brilliant individual effort. I mean, you want to talk about having one goal of the week candidate, obviously having a second goal of the week candidate in the Wednesday match with just that simple uh, one, you know, one v one play, and not only that, but that that touch he takes just inside the box, mm-hmm. pulls it back onto his onto his right foot and, and and slots it past the keeper for the three nothing lead there, and then obviously getting you know Asante getting the fourth on the penalty kick, making it four nothing. So can uh, we just insert real quick? MLS scouts, you stay the heck away from Johnson. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, who, who's this guy? Uh, Jared Johnson? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jerome, already had a hunchback and a lame left foot. <laughs> um, so, you know, 4 nothing, Huge win for Rick Schantz, especially, you know, being his first match back as the interim head coach. Um, you know, great to see. You know, great to see. Not only just just the four goals itself, but to see the players interjecting themselves after the goals and what they were doing with with Chance, getting him involved, that obviously was very huge in what we saw Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's just showing this this club is committed to Rick Chance. The players are, you know, they. I think they're sad that Patrice left, but Chance has been there for a long time. He's always been a part of the locker room, and I think the players have confidence in him. And yeah, to see the celebrations, you know, I mean, to see them one big happy family, that's great. And I mean, we've been seeing the results on the field. So the team chemistry right now seems to be, you know, firing on all cylinders. And I think these were big results this week because you go back to Tuesday, hearing the news about Patrice, you're thinking, okay, how are, how are the guys going to react to this? Is Chance going to control the locker room? Is everyone going to still stay together, stay unified? And that was a resounding yes this week. I mean, 7-0, two dominant wins. And I love that Chance stuck with the same starting 11. How often this year have we seen guys get rotated in and out frequently, constantly under Carterone? And yes, that needs to happen. You need to give guys a shot. But if you have your people that you trust, stick with them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it wasn't broke on Wednesday, and it wasn't broken last night either. No, it wasn't broke. I mean, obviously, two solid effort. I mean, you would you would expect a letdown on Saturday night coming off a big Wednesday win, you know. But obviously, there wasn't a whole lot because you know, granted, they played a similar style that first 30 minutes in last night's match. But once they finally got on the board, you could see the team was rolling then, and obviously, getting back into the flow of where they were. And you're seeing Rick make really good decisions with the team. You know, the subs again last night, I love those subs last night. I don't think we see those subs from Cotterone. And I mean, I'm not putting Cotterone down, but I don't think we see those subs. Keeping Cortez on the field, I think, was a huge good decision. And we as the fans in the stands, we were really against. Chris was hurting. He, he was injured, so we thought. But Rick knew better. And then just talking to the players, they've drunk the, the Rick... Uh, Kool-Aid. They are very happy and they're ready to support him. So this is a great transition. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's been a smooth transition and I think for Phoenix, I mean, it may not it may not be ideal, but I think it came at the right time. You know, I think I think that this is a good time for us to make the change and I mean, you know, moving forward, I don't I don't have any worries with Rick Schantz at the helm. I think the goal's still the same for the team USL Cup. So you could almost say that we gave Rick a chance, and he stepped up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Oh, one. my gosh. Um, wow. I'll be here all the week. Let's get into uh, to the next match preview. Obviously, this week coming up, Saturday match at Rio Grande Valley. Obviously, a team that's really struggling this year. Uh, coming off a 3-1 loss on Saturday to OKC. Um, you know, bottom of the table team again, 10 points off of 14 matches played. Uh, Ontivero scores the goal for RGV, but obviously this is another time for Rick Chance to take his team on the road for the first time and be able to put a solid, you know, road effort together and get three huge points as we come out, you know, where we're sitting in the standings right now, which is a very beautiful place, you know, starting to, starting to lengthen out a little bit between teams. And have you noticed that uh, Real Monarchs are struggling right now? They just barely won the other night with a PK against St. Louis. Oh, come on. That's not struggling. That's a fine result. That's a... (laughs) (laughs) 
34 points. I don't know what your definition of struggling well, no, is. No, no, That's no. Not, no, no. What I'm saying is that the, the past two games, Real has cooled down, and we seem to be heating up. It's a timing thing. I'm not saying over the whole season, but in the timing of a season, you see the roller coaster, right? And they had the PK win against St. Louis, and then the game before that, who was it they... Um, they had the loss to Swope. Yeah, Swope. That's right, yeah, Swope. They lost to Swope. And so I just like the feeling that before we were down six points, seven points. Now we're, what, three points behind? We're gaining on goal differential. This is good stuff. Uh, no, and I mean, it's you have a great point there. And I mean, it's, I mean, they did lose to lose and draw to a better opponent than we beat, I think, but they are they are cooling off at the right time, and me and uh, me and Jeff were talking about it last week, you know, if Phoenix can keep racking up points over these next few games, it'll be really interesting when we go up to Salt Lake to play them up there. I think we have a real chance in that match, and I mean, you know, if we're able to pull out three points, we could maybe find ourselves in first place at some point this season. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's, let's not look past RGV. They've been a team that's struggled a lot lately. They only have one win on the season, and I think two goals at the same time. But they're just <laughs> emphasizing Dom's point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's other teams scoring on them usually, but they do have they do have seven draws, so they're a tricky team to go up against. They have given teams trouble. They beat Orange County two 0 at home, so it's not a match we can overlook. But I think if we roll out the same starting eleven, and if the guys play like they're capable of. There's no reason we can't get a one or two goal win pretty comfortably. Yeah, we should be able to very easily. Obviously, like you said, if Rick Chance keeps rolling with the lineup he's got going right now, I don't think you can you can doubt this team right now. I don't think you really can. No, no, you can't. And, and you guys are right. I mean, it, if we're playing with the same lineup we have been, there's no reason we can't go out and beat RGV. But as Dominic said, they are a tricky team. We haven't always fared well in South Texas, so I mean, it's it is an important road trip, you know. But I mean, it's it's a match that, yeah, with with the players we have, we shouldn't have an issue. Yeah. So let's move into uh, let's move into this week's USL uh, scores for the week. Obviously, we just talked we just touched a little bit on the Swole Park Rangers three two win over Real Monarchs. Uh, Tyler Blackwood getting the former Arizona United slash Phoenix Rising star. Gets the game winner there in in, uh, in Swope, getting three huge points for them in the standings. Uh, Sacramento picked up a one nothing victory Wednesday over Fresno. Oklahoma City picks up a win, two one over T two. And that was in Portland, right? That was in Portland. Yep. You know, so that was a huge win for them. We move into Saturday. OKC completes the double this week, getting them six points. They get a three one win over RGB, like we talked about earlier. Uh, Chan uh, Chandler Hoffman gets a goal in the 15th minute for Real Monarchs, gets a 1-0 win over uh, St. Louis. Here's an interesting result. Sa uh, San Antonio gets a 1-0 win over Sacramento. It was Elizondo in the 43rd minute. Nice. Don't sleep on that San Antonio team, man. I think that's why it's so important that we get top two, because if we get in that 3-4 seed range, San Antonio, they're looking like they might end up 5th, 6th in the West. I do not want to play them first round of the playoffs. That's a dangerous team. They're starting to find their form after a rough start. They're starting to put those goals in, and they've always had the great defense. They've always had Diego Restrepo making great saves. I think things are starting to click for them. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I mean, they're definitely a team that they can perform at home and on the road. So yeah, we definitely don't want to see them in playoffs. Yeah, we don't. Uh, Orange County and Reno had a 2-2 draw in Las Vegas. Comes back after a 4-0 thumping to get a 4-1 win over Seattle Sounders too. Uh, Samuel Ochoa gets a couple of goals there uh, in that match. And let's Before we get into the standings, let's talk about Las Vegas real quick. Interesting note off of the Wednesday night game. Uh, uh, their, their coach uh, finds himself on another touch ban again. Oh, Chalice, <laughs> the man that never fails to entertain. The Las Vegas Lights, are, they are just a gift to, to the world, really. I mean, they're always coming up with shenanigans. They're always getting in trouble. They are like the perfect team for that city. Every stereotype, gaudy, obnoxious, a little dirty, rough around the edges. It's all just clicking with them in that way. Um, so he gets into it with a Phoenix fan. I mean, we don't condone fans yelling at opposing players and coaches after the match, but someone yells at him, and Chalis tries to confront the fan and tries to reach out to them. And this is the second 
This is the second, second ban he's had. He just had a seven match ban. He just got back and now he does this again. What is up with this team? I mean, you're right. They're definitely living up to the Vegas name. I mean, they're the perfect team for it. But I mean, it's, I mean, it's disappointing to see. You know, as a fan, you know, you don't like to see a fan harassing a, a coach and a coach lashing out at them. But I mean, it's, it's definitely a justified ban. I mean, the fact that it's his second, I think that, you know, I don't think, I think that's why it's eight matches because they're not seeing any type of remorse out of him or any change in behavior. Yeah, it just—it doesn't seem like there's any accountability up there. No. If if this is a second ban, you got to start thinking about should he even be coaching the team anymore? And there isn't even that conversation up there. So yeah. I, I don't understand it. And I mean, you think about it—you've got a—you've got a coach in Salt Lake City who gets involved with, you know, an affair issue and has found himself off the pitch. Now you've got a guy in Las Vegas who's who's now found his second touch ban. Like you said, how does he even belong still coaching in this league if, if he's got something like that going on? They're living up to their uh, their name, you know. <laughs> it's a circus, and um, you know the team, the players. You know, much respect to them, and they're 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 coming into their own to a degree. But everything else around it, they just seem their their GM seems wants to create a circus, and that's yeah. what's happening. Well, I mean, the circus is right. I mean, you've got llamas at the game. <laughs> You're involved with a marijuana company. Right. You now you now do sports book in the middle of a game now. That is I insanity. I'm sorry, but to sit there and to see odds of a game in the middle of a game posted on their board, you know, it's it's what is thinking? In fairness, that does happen everywhere else in the world, like all the European matches, but... <laughs> Not that that's tempting in any sort of way when we go up there in August, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, depends on how I do with the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, <very true. laughs> well, well, we'll see what happens with Vegas. There's always something going on. Yeah, yeah, that so, there is. So we get to the Western Conference standings. As as of this uh, this point, it's Real Monarchs at the top, 34 points off of 15 matches played. It's Phoenix Rising now in second alone, 31 points off of 16 matches played. It's Sacramento in third with 28 points off of 16. T2 is in fourth, 26 points off of 15. Swope Park is in fifth, 25 points off of 14 matches. Orange County is in sixth, 24 points off of 14 matches played. It's Reno at seventh at 22 points off of 15 matches played. And rounding out the top eight at the moment, San Antonio at 20 points off of 13 matches played with goal differential advantage over St. Louis in ninth, uh, 20 points and 15 matches played. When you get to the bottom half of the table, it's Colorado in 10th, 17 points off of 15 matches played. It's Las Vegas in 11th, it's 16 points off of 13 matches played. Fresno in 13th, uh, 16 points off of 15 matches played. It's Oklahoma City with 13 off of 15 matches played. LA 2 at 13 points off of 14 matches played. In the bottom three of the table, Seattle Sounders 2, 11 points off of 13 matches. Rio Grande Valley 10 points off of 14 matches. And Tulsa at the bottom, 7 points, 14 matches played. Obviously the keys here, guys, is now 14 points top to 8 uh, in the standing. So obviously the stretch is there. The stretch for Phoenix is now six points uh, clear to fifth clear to fifth place, which really puts them in an in advantage as far as home playoff positioning at this point. Yeah. Obviously, the key coming the key coming up is, you know, we keep talking about we've got these matches against the lower teams on the table. We got to continue to take advantage of these games to stay where we're at in the standings to keep that top four positioning. Yeah, definitely. But I love, I love that there is a gap forming between us and the bottom four, or like us in fifth place. So it's looking really good that we're gonna get that top four, that we're gonna get home field. Um, are there any teams outside of the top eight that you think can like really make a run into the top eight and be dangerous? Because for me, it looks like this top eight, as it currently is, looks pretty solid. Like I could maybe see St. Louis breaking in there, but I think it's gonna be tough for any of those other teams. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think other than St. Louis, I don't really see anyone in that bottom half of the table that can really make a playoff push. Um, I mean, I mean it's, we just haven't seen the consistency from Colorado in the past. Las Vegas, you know, the, 
we just don't really know what to expect. And Fresno, I mean, Fresno's been a tough team, but I just don't, I don't think they have the attacking ability to make it all the way up to number eight spot. So yeah, I think that this, this uh, top eight right now is probably what it's going to look like in postseason. I mean, obviously, the fight, the fight is going to be right between probably 7 and 11 or maybe even 7 and 12, you know, in the standings, to, you know, movement there. I think your top six is pretty much set in stone where they're sitting at right now. I mean, you know, obviously, there could be some, there could be some maneuvering between, you know, whether T2 stays on this stretch you know, falls down a little bit or whether they hang up there. But I think, is you know, as you're starting to see, you know, Orange County's at 24 points with Reno at 22, San Antonio at 20. You're looking at a point wow. where, you're looking at a point now where teams are, uh, you know, teams are starting to separate themselves. I think you're in a, you're in a really good position, you know, as far as, you know, like we said, that separation of teams, you know. Could we see maybe an Orange County jump up into that, you know, that that maybe that four or five spot if they start playing well again? I think they can. Or down, you know, or down potentially, you know. But I think, like you said, you get past Colorado Springs and maybe Las Vegas. I think after that, you're on a wing and a prayer at this point. Yeah. Yep. I think that's it for standings. Um, we don't have supporter section questions today. Um, but we can maybe come up with a few questions. Um, also, go online and check these shirts yeah. out. If you guys are interested in these shirts, maybe it's not the best view on camera because we're sitting kind of far back, but we have these shirts in all sizes in red and black, and um, we are happy. We're thrilled to finally have these. We're thrilled that they came through, and if you're interested, please Go on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me at DomK49. You can also go to the Rising as One page at RisingPod and check those out. Uh, quick, quick question here, and this is one I'm going to put on the on the Twitter page. Was Jason Johnson's goal yesterday the best goal in Phoenix Rising history? Yeah, wow, that's tough. <laughs> I I mean I'm I trying to I'm trying to think of all the great goals right now. Well, the, the, the Drogba free kicks are coming to mind, yeah, yes. The, free, the, the Drogba free kick in L.A. sticks out right off the bat. I mean, that's a 40-yard bullet in the upper 90 that you never see. Yeah, no, you know? you're, you're I mean, totally that's, right. That's one of those, you know. I, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I don't know. I mean... What's in the water free kick or a corner kick? Yeah, you know? yeah. Exactly. That's a classic. Yeah, you know? that one as well. The build up to that and the, the parody of it. Yep. The difference to me is that when you have corners and you have free kicks, you're setting it up. You've got time. You're judging everything right. This was a cross that really turned into a, what seemed like a last second decision. And the ability to flip around the way he did and then kick it up and do it was just amazing. Um, Better? I don't know, but mine for right now it's the freshest, so for me it's the best. I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't argue with that either. <laughs> and it's like one of those things, even in FIFA, you'll get one in a hundred, and that's playing with like Real Madrid, you'll get that one in a hundred. Well, maybe you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, the, the Drogba free kick at LA may be better. Just, just on, just on terms of like, is anyone well, is anyone even expecting that? But I think the fact that this Johnson one happens at home because both the Drogba free kicks were away matches. This one happens at home. It happens in the supporters section, um, and so you get to see all the uh, smoke after the goal. I think I don't know if it's the best, but it's the most memorable. Yeah. The most memorable, the, the one that people will be talking about for a long, long time to come because Johnson is, I mean, he's, he's been here, like, it seems like since day one, but he's, like, just really our guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean no. you want to talk about memorable goals. You know, you can talk about, you know, Luke Rooney's first goal, That's you true. know, in, in, the, in the new stadium. You yeah. can talk about, uh, you know, the goal that happened in Colorado Springs that really turned the season around last year. That's true. You know? You can talk about, uh, you know, the goal that, that got Phoenix Rising started in the playoff game against Swope. You know, you can talk about all those goals as being solid, 
you know, memorable type goals. But I think, like you said, if you're looking for one goal that kind of sticks out, this may end up being the one. And I guarantee you this one ends up being the next thing you will see in any commercial that Phoenix Rising puts oh, yeah. out. For sure. <laughs> yeah, For yeah. Sure. Sam's going to go crazy with the promotion of that. And I, I think Dominic's right. I think... I think it's the best goal, Phoenix Rising goal I've witnessed in person, for sure. Because, yeah, I wasn't at those L.A. matches for the Drogba free kicks. So, yeah, I mean, definitely the best right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see the, the videos they make teasing with that goal. It'll be nice. Get that man a statue or a bobblehead with <laughs> yes, that Yes, kick. exactly. <laughs> JJ, we're giving you a Phoenix Rising flag. Yep. <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you guys have any questions? Maybe we can do group questions. Um, you know, I think um, I'd like to ask Jeff. Jeff, you're up in the media box every single week. I think it's the best view in the house. Do you think it's the best view in the house? Oh, I, honestly, I do. It's one of the greatest views you can have. I mean, just overlooking everything. You're not only overlooking the field. You know, you look to you look to the the the. Uh, you know, to the right of you, and you've got the Tempe marketplace blaring at you that way. You know, you look at the, you look at your view on the on the left, and you've got the mountains background. I mean, it's just a beautiful setting for where you're sitting and watching all the action. I mean, you just can't ask for anything better. It seems like it's that way in the pitch. I mean, you just see everything going on. Like, you know what the formation is way before we do. Yeah. Because I'll be looking on the field, and yeah, you get an idea. Yeah, you get, of it. yeah. Yeah, but when they switch formations mid-game, it takes me a lot longer, I know, to figure that out. Yeah. Of course, I'm slow. <laughs> but, but you, yeah, you can see those little tendencies when you're sitting up there a little bit higher. You can see you know, whether somebody's pulling back a little bit more or whether somebody's pressuring off of a wing. You get to see that a little bit more than you see. As, you know, if you're sitting in a supporter's section and looking straight down the field, you're not getting that same, you know, you're not getting that, that same vantage point. Or even, or even in the corners, it's tough to see, especially offside, onside calls. Those are where being in the middle really helps. Yeah. Um, I haven't been up there in a while, so maybe I'm missing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you. Know, let me ask you, you, know, you you've had the opportunity to, to talk to a lot of different players you know, throughout the season with, with the PRFC Fan Show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talk about some of your you know, favorite experiences you've had so far this year doing that. Oh, man. Um, you know, one of my favorite experiences actually is really embarrassing for me, cause, and I edited it out because I just couldn't stand it. Um, we were talking, I, was, I had uh, Solomon Asante and Duigi Mala there, and we were talking about the other team, and I'll use the word hate loosely, and I'm like, oh, you know, I hate these guys, and I hate these guys, and Solomon's like, we respect all other teams and the players and stuff. And he just called me out. <laughs> I was like, I am humble. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, when I interviewed uh, Kevin Lambert, um, there's a, we, we do it at this place. There's a little ledge. Like if this is, if Dom is Kevin, there's a, a ledge behind him. And Freighter had come in the room and I didn't know it. And I'm like sitting there talking to Kevin and all of a sudden this head comes up over the ledge and he's like staring at me <laughs> and I was trying to interview him and I'm like what is going on here he will do anything he can to make me laugh he'll pretend to walk into the camera and stuff and I'm just oh like you're killing me man so we, we have good times you know, they're all just really good people and we just have a lot of fun interviewing them yeah I, please by all means go to the PRFC fan show uh, page on Facebook go to the, the YouTube site I mean obviously you know, you and you and Rick do some great things over there. And, well, thanks. And, you know. Well, you know, the thing is, is you guys do such a great job. And that's what I was going to ask you guys, actually, is you guys do such a good job evaluating the game. What's your background? How is it that you guys know so much and can talk to the game so well? I think just watching a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, a weird answer, but I think the more you watch, and especially when you're up in the press box, you get a good view for formations a good view for tactics and you know honestly though when you start out you never know anything you never you barely know anything and you just have to keep going with it and you pick things up as, as you go like with any job uh, you just observe a little bit more you become a little bit more confident and comfortable and it it's a process and it just it works out and so now year two we're in such a groove with these episodes I feel like we don't have to uh, 
really outline it so much. Like last year, we'd have to talk for a long time off air before we just get going. But yeah, you just you just get more comfortable, I think. Yeah. I mean, loosely, I had followed soccer for a long time until six years ago when I uh, when I started working for the or when I started covering the team for the Arizona Republic, and uh, you know, it really made me begin to focus on the game as a whole, not just focusing on individuals. You're focusing on the team. You're focusing on, like you said, formations, tactics, you know, everything else. You know, and and. You know, you grow over that period of time by not just only watching what you see, you know, what you're covering, but you're watching other, you know, other teams and other leagues and other, you know, tournaments, you know, that kind of thing. So obviously for me, you know, my beginning in soccer was later, but, you know, like you said, it, it's the love of the game. I mean, if you don't love the game and you don't enjoy what you're watching, don't watch it. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't have really any formal uh, soccer experience or anything. I've just always been a fan, you know, always watched the game. And I've been a follower of Phoenix FC, Arizona United, Phoenix Rising. So, you know, just always kind of followed the team. And I think, yeah, the more you watch and observe the game and play FIFA, you know, you just kind of can can get down to tactics and how to manage a team. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's really... I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert or anything. I'm just a fan that likes to talk about the game and the team. So it's, I mean, as far as Jeff said, yeah, now that I'm, uh, you know, doing the podcast, I cover more than just Phoenix. You know, I'll watch other teams' games as well and follow follow the league as a whole. But, I mean, I, I enjoy soccer no matter who's playing. So just just kind of observing the game and, uh, yeah, learning as I go. Cool. So last question, who do, who's your pick for the World Cup? Who's going to take it all? Oh. I, I think Brazil. I like the Brazil team. I think, I think they've grown a lot since last World Cup. I, it's going to be really interesting. I think they're playing a different style. I don't think you can just go out there and kick them anymore and physically beat them. I think now they're, they're a little bit of a tougher team, but they'll also play with flair. I like Brazil, but I mean, I also like Germany. I can't, I can't, uh, can't knock the defending champs, but I think Brazil takes it. You know... I think something that stunned me, and, and we haven't seen all of the first round matches yet, but I think with what we saw in the, in the Portugal-Spain match uh, you know, on Friday, I have this sneaking feeling that Ronaldo is building something huge here. I, I, you know, I think he's going to find a way to finally break his curse and get himself a World Cup. I would love to see Argentina and Messi do it, you know, just just for the pure fact that both of these guys have done everything but, you know. But I, I think there's something special this year with Portugal. They, they won the Euro in 2016. I mean, I, th- this could be their year. You know, it's funny because in the spring, I thought that France was being overlooked. Um, but in the recent weeks, I think Koscielny going down and uh, just looking really rough and friendlies. Then I was thinking Spain was starting to look like a nice pick, and then their coach got sacked. And all this time, I was kind of overlooking Brazil, and I just realized, like, Brazil has a great team. They've been crushing it. They got through the South American qualifying. Um, no huge injuries. Uh, no uh, controversy within the team. And the way it looks, if they make it to, they get like Belgium in the quarterfinals, maybe France in the semifinals. It's a pretty good road to winning it all. And I think Neymar is ready now. I think he's mature. Um, Germany won the Confederations Cup, so that means they're going to lose this year. No team that's won the Confederations <laughs> yeah, ever true. won it's the World curse, Cup. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so that, that bodes well for Brazil. Um, I think you're on to something with Portugal. I think they could make a, a run into the quarters of semis. They showed me something, and Ronaldo showed me something. Um, but I, I still think it's Brazil's year. This might be the year after that Mexico match that they actually make quarterfinals, but it could also just be them uh, still finding a way to choke it. So we'll see. <laughs> For me, i got to stick with Germany. Um, after today, uh, there are doubts. Um, Brazil's my biggest worry, for sure, but I like the fact that Pele came out and said that they have no chemistry on the team. Um, I was like, oh, thank heavens. <laughs> but that being said, there's so much raw talent on the field with Brazil. 
they're going to be very difficult. But uh, Germany is my second homeland, so I, I got to go with Germany. You know, one other thing, too, if anyone's going to write Germany off, Spain in 2010 lost their first match. Yeah. That's, what I was, that's actually one thing table. I was thinking is yeah. it's, it's not the end of the world, you know. I mean, it, that's, this might be the start they needed, you know, to get them motivated. And uh, you can't count Germany out. I mean, they're just they're a giant when it comes to, to world soccer. So. Any questions for us, Kyle? Um, okay, one I was thinking of, we were, we were concerned with our defense early on in the season and kind of towards the middle stages. After these past two matches, do we have any concerns? We have lapses. We have lapses in defense. And our defense, when it's rock solid, it's rock solid. But twice last night, Tulsa broke through when they had no business breaking through. Musa lost his, his mark big time. Uh, that ended up being the red card play. That was really, really rough to watch. But otherwise, you know, I miss seeing Mala out there directing because he directs so well. Um, so maybe there was some, and there was a lot of chatter between the defensive guys. When they were on our side of the field, they were yelling at each other, changing marks. You know, there's a little confusion. It's going to happen. Short answer is I have confidence in our defense. They just got to get over the, the momentary lapses. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point you bring up that, you know, a couple of times you, you've, you've seen Musa make that little hesitation, let's say, you know, and it causes a break of some sort, you know, for the opposing team. You know, somebody who, who really has changed that defense a little bit the last couple of games has been Joe Farrell. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Joe Farrell, I mean, Joe Farrell struggled to find the field at the beginning of the season, and now all of a sudden that he's kind of found some favor, he found some favor towards the end with Carterone, has now found favor with Rick Schantz. You know, with him and DeFont being that center, that center pairing in the middle, it really seems like they've kind of shored things up a little bit. Agreed. Good point. And you took the words right out of my mouth with Joe Farrell. Um, he did struggle at the beginning of the season, but he is playing with much better form, much better confidence since he got inserted back into the starting lineup. And I think maybe it's the goal, starting with that goal at St. Louis, but he's in such good form defensively and getting up there on set pieces, you can't really keep him out of the lineup anymore. He's like finally starting to fill the shoes that uh, Peter Ramage left us last year. And, you know, if that's the case, if that continues, that's a huge help for our defense. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's a good problem to have now, too, because you now have three solid center backs, you know, yeah. with Mala, Farrell, and, and DeFont. DeFont can also spread and play to the right, you know, as well. You've got two solid guys on the right with, with uh, Cody Wakasa and Devontae DeBose. You've got two solid guys on the left in Victor Vasquez and Amadou Dia. I think this is finally starting to, you know, we worried at the beginning about that, you know, who's going to shore things up. And I think we've really solved this question now that we're almost at the halfway point of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I think that we've definitely made a huge improvements. And, yeah, I mean, DeFont and Farrell, both of them were new signings this season. We weren't really sure what we would get out of them. But, I mean, they both have performed you know, awesome, and I think they've deserved every start they've earned. Any closing thoughts? I think we've gotten a lot of questions and probably yeah. time to let people get on with watching the World Cup and let yeah. us get on with our lives. Get to this Brazil game. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're singing the anthem up there. <laughs> you know, six huge points this week, guys. I mean, we talked about it last week on the podcast. We needed six points out of these two matches yep. this week. We got those six points. You know, we talked about these bottom teams of the table and we had to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the coaching change was huge this week, but the guys persevered through it. Rick Schantz took, took what, he, what he had, worked with it. Obviously, the players have bought in. Like we said, you, see, you saw the things they did Wednesday night with him. You saw the play that they had Saturday. Obviously, they've, they've moved forward from Patrice. Obviously, things that Patrice has taught them will stick with them, but obviously Rick has, has thoughts and minds of how he wants to move forward. You know, obviously a key road game this week. You know, obviously we should get three points. At worst, we got to get a point. We can't lose this game, you know, going into Saturday. So, you know, obviously it's a big, you know, big game going ahead. And obviously we've got a, you know, a huge comeback after that with Orange County. So, you know, that'll be a, a big match coming back the following week. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. And I mean, I think, yeah, we definitely need to get get some kind of result 
down at down at RGB. I mean, even a draw wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be the end of the world. But I mean, if we can just keep keep getting three points, keep getting three points, I, I really think we can catch up to real monarchs because, like Kevin said, they're gonna make mistakes eventually. They can't be perfect all season. So, uh, you know, I just think we need to keep with it week by week. We've been seeing great performances, and I mean. Yeah, it's it's reassuring to me as a fan, no matter who the coach is, you know, Patrice Carterone or, or Rick Schantz, we're still getting the results and seeing great football on the field. So, I mean, it's I was worried on, on Tuesday when I saw that announcement, but uh, after Wednesday and last night, I'm not so worried now. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the, the cool thing here is we're seeing this team come together even stronger than at any point this year. You know, even with Drogba being gone, with Carterone being gone now, you saw in those two matches that the guys stayed strong. When things weren't working out at the beginning of the matches, they kept going for it, and that perseverance paid off. And, you know, two things that really show how strong and cohesive a unit this is. After Kavon Freider's goal yesterday, the entire team, including the subs, go over to the corner and celebrate with him. Because they know that was a long time coming. That was his first goal this regular season with Phoenix Rising. And so that was really cool to see that everyone knew how much that meant to him. And then secondly, um, very cool to see uh, Ramage tweet after the Saturday's result, uh, you know, a former player who's still definitely keeping up with things, you know, way to go Rick Chance, you've earned this opportunity. Uh, good to see the team like having faith in you and it's paying off. So. I mean, I think those things just go to show everyone is all in on Rick Chance, and the sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to agree and very shortly say that um, the six points were important. The chemistry, the resiliency of getting through this major change was even more important. We came out in spades on both sides. We're good. Well, I think that means that our episode is pretty good, too, right? Do you guys have anything to add? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm oh, all good, good here. All good, all good. All right, well, thanks again to the Arizona Sports Complex for putting us up here and, uh, you know, just letting us have a good morning watching the Mexico match. Be sure to get these T-shirts if you are interested. And until next week, go Rising. Yeah. Go, go Rising. Go Rising. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.